Yeah, amen. Welcome. It's so great to be with you today. It is always. Okay, brother, can you slide that in for me? Thank you. Glad you're here, on, online and in person. It's great to be in God's house today. All right, so as you know, uh, bikes aren't normally in the church on Sundays, but this is a, a special day in our lives and in the calendar of the church. Blessing of the Bikers, uh, number 16. For 16 years, we've been having this uh, event that God has called us to do and to have a time where we can gather together as the body of Christ and reach out to a community of people that are usually shunned and stayed away from by the majority of people out there. And that's the biker community. And so today, if you don't know, we will have this event on their property, 430 to 7:30, all inside and outside and different things going on. We want you to come and be a part of it. Don't uh, stay away if you don't have a motorcycle. Uh, the the first Harley I ever got was um, back in 2005. I rode Kawasaki's before that because I had kids. I couldn't afford a Harley. Uh, so um, once they moved out, the grocery bill, we had three ton, uh, sons, so the grocery bill alone paid for a Harley. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> But anyway, that's another story. Before that ever happened, though, my wife and I were on a vacation and bought a Harley shirt. I figured it was a, a purchase by faith that I was going to maybe be able to have one in the future. And so I want to encourage you to buy a blessing shirt today if you didn't get one yet. <laughs> by faith, just do it and just trust God and see what happens, okay? All right. So some people are worried about motorcycles and people are like, you know, you don't wear a helmet. I don't wear a helmet. You don't have to wear one here. And uh, yeah, from Michigan. And, and before we moved out here, you had to wear one. You know, there was a protest and a fight going on. They finally won it. You don't have to wear one in Michigan anymore. And so thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. Uh, some people are like, oh, what are you crazy? I'm like, dude, man, what's the deal? I don't wear body armor. Do you only care about my head or what? <laughs> right? I'm just saying. It's just like what it is. So the last thing I'll say about this topic is... When someone gets in a motorcycle accident, they're like, are you going to ride again? And I'm thinking, like, if you get in a car wreck, do you drive a car again? Come on, seriously, right? I mean, I get it. You know, if you're afraid, don't ride. I don't want you driving if you're scared. But, yeah, it's an amazing thing. God has blessed us to be able to ride these machines. And uh, it's like it was therapy for my wife and I uh, as we together uh, rode. And she rode with me. She has her license, but I want her with me, and so she rides with me. And, uh, you know, it was something that we would do together. Uh, when things are going on in life, we would just kind of go off on the bike. The kids were older, and they could take care of themselves. And um, as we did that, you know, our relationship grew stronger. And, and as you ride a motorcycle, if you've ever done it, it's very, uh, it's so therapeutic, man. It's amazing. You've never gone up Mount Lemmon until you go up on a motorcycle. Seriously. You experience everything God made, and it's like you're in it, and it's, it's just amazing. It's so great. And, and so it's cool if you don't do it. It is fine. It is. Um, but we had this time together, and we cherished those times. But it's always better when you ride with somebody, you know, like have somebody alongside. And so when we moved out here, we didn't know anybody. We knew nobody in Tucson whatsoever when God called us to pastor this church. And so when we came... Uh, we were praying for someone to ride with and asking the Lord. And that was where Full Throttle was born as God challenged us to ride for him instead of just for me and her. 
He asked us to begin to ride for him and begin to do something in our community. And that's how Full Throttle was born. Kim and I had gone to a few biker events, and usually it's not an environment for family or men or women. They have, you know, like, they always do like wet t-shirt contests, bikini washes, and all this kind of crazy stuff that's not, it's not okay. It's like things to try and get you in a place you shouldn't be. And so we desired to have an event where you could bring your little kids to and never have to worry about it. It's something that's healthy and good and an environment that can be clean and you can have a good time and God can be glorified in it. And so that's how the Blessing of the Bikes was born. And we do a blessing of the bikers, not the bikes. We're grateful for the bikes, but God wants to bless you personally. And so the thing is, we wanted to lay hands on people and pray for them. And so we do that with every person that comes through. We get to lay our hands on them and pray over them. And it's such an incredible blessing for us. And God has done some amazing things. I'm sitting here uh, right now in front of you and saying that when we came here in 2005, Kim and I had the only motorcycle in the church. Nobody had a bike. And so as I went to the board and said, hey, we want to start something here. And the, the board is the... Um, governing body of our church, their elected members. And so they said, great, let's do it. I said, I'm going to grow my hair long, just so you know. Uh, it's just growing out from a short haircut I had for something else. But uh, I said, you know, it's just kind of part of what you do as a motorcycle rider and stuff. So I'm doing that. And they were like, fine. You know, they were so great about it. So as we began that journey, I was sitting here today before the service started and looking over it. And Ross is sitting over here on the front. Row, you can wave your hand, Ross. He now lives in New Mexico. Yeah. And uh, Mark Ge- Gecko Labson, are you in this room right now? He's he'll be in the next service if he's not here right now. Those are the only two guys that I know of that were at our very first blessing with motorcycles. There were twelve of us the first Sunday that we did it. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I was scared to death about those bikes, you know, like uh, Kim and I didn't know what to expect. And 12 people showed up and it was all I could handle. Because <laughs> we had planned a ride and I was new in Tucson. So in October, sometimes weather can be crazy on the mountain. And I planned to ride up the mountain and it rained on us. So we didn't even get like a third of the way up the mountain and the rains were pouring down and we were leading the way. And it's kind of twisty, you know what I mean? So when we got to Windy Vista, there was four of us. <laughs> I couldn't turn back. I was leading, right? So I didn't, I'm just going along. I could see a headlight behind me. We're good to go. Yeah, things are, you know, different, and you learn stuff as you go. And so today, we're so blessed, man. God's so good. He is so amazing. We have been blessed by so many of you in our life. I want you to know that the people that he has brought into his family, God's family, through a prayer, through a time of just sharing together on a motorcycle ride, just driving somewhere, how God has divine appointments for us. I want you to know that wherever you go in life, God has divine appointments for you. The thing that I have learned as I've walked with God and we've done these events is oftentimes, like we have prayer rides that we do or we do uh, other rides that we do together, We have intentional focus. And so when we go, there are always opportunities at gas stations and stores and at restaurants or anything to pray with somebody, for somebody, to be able to speak to someone. Church, I want you to know that's happening every day. But we 
are more attentive to it when we have an intentional purpose in our direction. Right? So I'm saying is like we're aware of it because we're going for that purpose, but that should be our purpose every day. And as we go everywhere we go in life, God has divine appointments for us that he has established so that he might be revealed and glorified in and through our lives and the lives of other people. I told you, I believe a few weeks ago that Mark, his gecko is what I call him. I'm sorry, his name's Mark. Uh, I'm, I had a, they married him and his lovely bride just a month or so ago. And as I was uh, talking about this, the very first blessing we ever did with that 12 bikes, he was one of them. And he had had three different people give him a flyer in the city. Remember, my wife and I were the only ones that rode bikes. And yet we had not even met him before, but he had run into three of our church people in the city of Tucson who invited him to our blessing. And so he told me on that Sunday, he said, dude, after the third person gave it to me, I'm like, I'm supposed to be going to this thing. (laughs) Yeah, God awesome. So not only has he uh, put his faith all in Jesus Christ, and we've been able to baptize him here in the church and then have his wedding with him and his bride. But, you know, it's like, it's amazing, isn't it? So cool what God does. So I don't know what he's got planned for today, but I know he wants to touch you right now. Because the blessing is at 4.30. Right now, God has a divine appointment for our lives. If you're watching online, this is the moment that God has planned for us. We tell you all the time we're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. Just stick around a little while throughout the day. I want you to know that we're probably going to make some mistakes. Things aren't going to be as organized as you think they ought to after 16 years of doing this. You think we'd have it all down? Anybody that knows me knows better than that. All right? It's just life. Just just roll with it. Don't get all tight. Chill out, man. For real. Relax. It's not a big deal if things aren't perfect. It's really not. I've never seen it perfect yet. It probably won't until we get to heaven. And I'm talking about anything in life, man. There's stuff going on constantly. I'm going to share this message with you that God has for us today. And it's, it's not a typical blessing of the biker Sunday message, but that's okay. God does stuff like that all the time. I want to read from 1 Peter chapter 1 to you. And I want to, I want to put this in the context of understanding that as the Apostle Peter wrote this letter to the church, under the influence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be given to you and I today, the, the letter that he wrote was being dispersed to all the Christians that had been driven out of Jerusalem. They had been driven from their homes, their jobs, their lives, because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so when Peter writes this letter, he's talking to a people that have had to restart their entire lives for one reason. They said yes to Jesus. Now listen to what it says here. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. Amen. That's good stuff. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. 
And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the last day for all to see. Church, I want you to hear what God's Word just told us. He said, you are saved, you are born again, but you, the fullness of your salvation will not be revealed until it ends. The fullness of it. None of us can grasp the fullness of this being born again, of what Christ has done for us until our life comes to an end. Now church, every one of us that are born again Christians, whatever your terminology you want to use, God's Word tells us we have to be born again. We have to be saved, forgiven of our sins. It's something that we have to come to God for through Jesus Christ that we receive this salvation. It is because Jesus Christ gave His life on the cross and arose from the grave, both of those, not just one or the other, but both together, that you and I have the opportunity to have a relationship with God. We are saved because of what God has done for us. The Word of God says that we have great expectations and priceless inheritance. God has got so much great stuff for us in the future that we don't have a clue about. Our hope, our confidence, and all that God has planned for us in heaven beyond this life is incredible. But God's given us this incredible promise. Listen to what I read to you. God is protecting you. Who is that you? All that are born again. God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation. So He's telling us that God has got us all the way through until we check out. God's Word tells us this. Now church, as God protects those who are born again, we continue reading this, and I want you to hear the very next statement as we read that. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Isn't that awesome? Come on, church, be very glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. See, there's amazing things in the future for all Christians. And if that verse ended right there, everybody in the world would know that verse. And everybody would share it. And every pastor would preach it. Because, man, if I tell you that everything in the future is amazing, it's going to be really amazing. You're going to be glad and wonderful. There's joy coming. And it's like, come to Jesus, because this is what you got coming. Everybody come. Why wouldn't you? The verse doesn't end there. (laughs) See, God's protection that He promised, He doesn't tell us that He's going to put us in this glass bubble of protection in the world that we live in. God has given us a protection that does not mean that we escape challenges and difficulties in life. So truly be glad. Let me read that whole verse. Check it out. Listen. So truly be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. like wow dude what a bummer man (laughs) we're all excited about that first part but the problem is there's a comma after wonderful joy ahead you know it's not like a finished statement it's just a comma it's saying hey make sure you keep your vision make sure you're looking forward because God's doing something now God is doing something right now we were just singing about he says that God's protecting us 
And he's got a plan for the fullness of our salvation when we meet him. But in the moment, he tells us, you got to go through some stuff. Yeah, it's like a major bummer, man. I mean, seriously. As we read that, then he goes on. He's going to elaborate a little bit. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Oh, man. That means I got to keep a right attitude. I got to love Jesus. I got to be around people when life sucks. And I've got to prove that my faith is right because I've got to focus on who God is, what my future holds, no matter what's facing me right in this moment. That's God's word right there. It's going to prove if your faith is genuine or not. Church, man, that's like straight up in our face, isn't it? It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Yeah. See, right now the world sees us as crazy. They think we're all nuts. They do. The world sees Christianity as a bunch of losers, weak-minded people, that don't have anything. And God promises, He says, look, you're going to go through stuff. I'm going to protect you. We're going to be together. But I want you to know the whole world is going to know in this day who Jesus is. But it's not just that they're going to know who Jesus is. He promised something to us right here. You, you, praise and glory and honor. God will lift us up and say, These are my kids. (laughs) These are my people. This is my family. Because we have trusted in Him and God's got us. So the challenges and trials we do face in life are to show that our faith is genuine. It's like I'm not just in this because of what I get out of it. I'm in it because of who He is and what He's done for me. Church, please get that right. It's not what I get out of it. It's what He's done for me. And because of what He's done for me, I will get something out of it. Not only protection in the moment, but eternity. God's amazing. See, genuine faith trusts God no matter what. No matter what. There is a point to the challenges we face. Now, we're not talking about self-inflicted trials that are caused by our disobedience, all right? I've heard a lot of Christians try and blame God or say, God brought me down this road to get a testimony. I want you to know, if you went down a road because of your disobedience to God, God was not building your testimony. He was saying, don't go there, and you were going anyway. All right? Sin is walking against God. That's what it is. God's not leading you through sin so that you can give you a wonderful testimony. Your wonderful testimony is the fact that Jesus died for you. It's not about your life of sin. Church, we got to stop glorifying that garbage and understand that God never intended for us to live in that world or that life. God has a plan for us, and it's an amazing plan of living with Him for Him and that He might see through us. Right? All right, so when we look at this, this is the thing He's saying, like, these trials that you face in life are to bring me glory because people will see that you do trust me. Even when things don't look right, feel right, or go right. See, if, if the promise was that when you come to Christ, 
All those things fall away. You have nothing but joy every morning when you wake up. You feel good. You're more in love than ever. And you have like this amazing life of health. And every one of your investments come out right. They give you promotions at work. You don't get sick anymore. If all that stuff happened, everybody would run to Jesus for their own self-benefit. Because, see, it's not about self. And, and the thing is, is that we're always, I shouldn't say we're always, sin is what calls us to self. And so self-centeredness is when I'm coming for my own benefit. And God's saying to us in his word, church, because you have faith in Jesus Christ does not remove you from the world in the sense of what happens here. He's saying, I'm going to remove you from this world eventually, and you'll understand the fullness of what I have done for you. But in the meanwhile, I will be with you, protecting you, and I love you, and we have this relationship, but you're going to go through some stuff here. Nobody wants to hear that. I understand that, but it's God's word. And until we in the church understand that and begin to step into it and the fullness of our relationship with God and let the world see whom we serve in our life through our challenges, church, that we can't be the light we're supposed to be. Look, we're all going to face health issues. If I mean, I'm Christians, I'm a little bit frustrated with you. I want you to know this. I see people that um, go into health issues. Um, let me think about that. I don't want to speak in the wrong way. Um, you're going to die. Let's just put it flat out there, right? A hundred percent. All right. <laughs> but for some reason, like even Christians, we're like... Um, as we're getting older, things are falling apart. They're not working anymore like they used to, and things aren't going in the right direction. Um, it's like we don't want to accept the fact that it's coming to an end. And so we're kind of like trying to get over that. Not that I think you should just like wilt and die. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but church, the reality is we're going to wilt and die. Okay? So if you've started to wilt... Don't act like you're not. And don't think you're not. And don't go and try and find some miracle healer that's going to give you youth again. It's never going to happen. It's not. Seriously, church, we got to understand that we're going to go through this life and stuff happens to us and we die. All right? So, <laughs> such an encouraging word. I know, but let's just stay where we're at, right? Okay. <laughs> so, seriously, though, I'm... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be 59 years old tomorrow. So this isn't like I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going through any crisis or anything. It is what it is, just so you know. But, you know, like I laugh because I talk about this at all the funerals I do, if you haven't been at one of them. But I remember my grandfather when I was just a kid, he was like, I got up one day and there was an old man looking in the mirror back at me. You know, and I, as a kid, I thought, oh, that was like a weird thing to say. You know, I didn't understand it at all because my grandpa's always been old to me. He always looked like that. He had wrinkles and gray hair and some of it was missing. And, you know, he was old. So, I mean, I just think old people are old people. And obviously in my little brain, I just thought all those old people are old people. I'm young people. You know what I mean? Like never even thinking about they used to be young like me. They're just old. Okay. So then, you know, there's a day, I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was, I look in the mirror, I'm like, I get it. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, it's like, what happened, man? It's like, I feel like a little kid still. I, I'm serious. I, I act that way sometimes too. I know, but I'm saying like, seriously, I feel like I'm 20 inside. I don't feel old. I'm not old. For all of you who think I am, I'm not old. I'm only going to be 59. But I remember as a kid thinking, 59, you're old, dude. I do. I remember that. I remember looking at people and thinking like, well, what do you think, man? You know, like, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so I want you to know because you're born again doesn't mean that you don't get wrinkles. Doesn't mean you're not going to get gray hair. It doesn't mean you're going to keep all your mental facilities. Seriously, church, see, we got to understand something. Sin was brought into this world by humanity and it has ravaged the planet and everything in it and all of us. Okay, that did the damage. That's what screwed us up. But God made us eternal. That's why I feel like I'm 20 inside. That's why I feel this. I'll never die because I'll never die. My body's simply falling apart. And so is yours. And the moment you began to breathe was a journey to death. And we don't even look at it that way, nor do we understand the fullness of eternity because, see, we feel eternal now. And so a lot of times we get lost in this world because we feel like we're going to live here forever. But you're not. Go drive by a cemetery. For real. There's been many times I've gone out there and done services or I drive by and I look and I think, look at all the lives. They always thought they'd be alive. They did. Every one of them, there was always that expectancy of tomorrow. And there they are. <laughs> Another depressing moment. <laughs> yeah. So then now let's the, just relax for a second. I'm going to say a couple things that, you know, you'll get nervous about at first, all right? But it's okay. So now as we're Christians in this world we live in and having experienced all the freedoms of our nation, we see our nation crumbling and the... Uh, the freedoms that we once had are falling, and they're going to continue to fall, just so you know. So like all the things that are happening and what's coming to us as a nation and stuff, and we look at all that stuff, and it's like we could have the tendency to just kind of withdraw and be like, Lord, I'm so glad I have you. I'm so glad we're together. This place is crazy. They're all nuts out there. We're just going to kind of be over here and everything is going to be fine in church. Like, that's not what God's asking us to do. Some, I've had a few people ask me, like, as things come down, now, I don't, I'm not wanting to hear your perspective on the end of, look, please don't send me emails or not. I don't care. I'm praying for, you know, either um, rapture or something else to happen before we have to face any of that. You know, I'm like, yeah, Lord, I want to believe in that. I don't think that'll happen. But anyway, let's just deal with where we are. See, I, I just look at it like, why is it that we can't understand that this is where God's put us and we're supposed to be here? Now, if someone's supposed to move somewhere, I believe God should move you. Right, but you shouldn't go pursuing or chasing anything on your own because that's you taking control again. All right? So I've had a couple people say, well, if things go down, are you going to leave Tucson? 
Are you going to move somewhere else? And I'm like, I'm not going anywhere unless God says for me to go anywhere because this is where he's called me. So obviously he has me here for a reason and he knows what I'm going to face. So he's got me through this thing no matter what goes down, right? Like if I wanted to escape, I would get out of here and go somewhere out in the country and just act like nothing's going on. But the reality is God's called us to this moment and he's saying, I have placed you where you are and I know you're going to have to deal with some stuff that you're not comfortable with but I'm there and you have a hope and there is a future and I've got you. (laughs) All right, I I want you to know I have known many born-again Christians that have died. No matter how strong their faith was, no matter how much they believed, no matter how many people prayed over them, anointed them with oil. Now, I'm not making fun of that. I want you to hear me through. See, I have, I have known some very, very godly people in my life. I was there with Sister Mary, who was my kindergarten Sunday school teacher, a widow lady that was probably one of the most godly ladies I'll ever know in my life, seriously, Mary Manofsky. And I was there as her pastor, which is just a crazy thing in the first place. She was 92 years old, and I was in the hospital with her. And I had grown up knowing her all my life, and here I was as her pastor as a young man, ignorant, trusting God, being there with her, praying over her. And I was there in the hospital when she went to be with Jesus. And I I remember so many times in church on Sunday mornings when... Sister Mary would stand up and she would say, I'm ready to go and be with Jesus. Like she was like all the time. I don't know why I'm still here. I'm ready. Take me out. You know, I'm ready to go. But she was like the missionary of our community. She was. She, she, She modeled Jesus everywhere. So as I was praying with her and I was watching her, I was seeing something that I really freaked me out. I want you to know that. Because see, as she was breathing her last, her body was still trying to breathe because there was this little war happening of the eternalness of who we were created to be and the enemy, which is death, that sin brought. And there was this little thing happening in the moment that she left this place. I was really confused by it. I want you to know that. Because I'd grown up hearing her ready to go and meet Jesus and then I saw her body fighting to live. And inside of me, I was like, Sister Mary, go. Go. But her body was fighting to live. It wasn't like she was making a subconscious decision. I'm going to live. I'm not going to die. No. The body was created by God to live. And as she was trying to breathe and about to leave, I was looking at her. And that was a moment in my life that God really challenged me in. Like, Dave, you need to understand something. I never, ever meant for this to happen. Sin brought this into the world. And Jesus did just what Sister Mary (laughs) just went through so that I would have hope beyond that moment. He struggled for breath. And in him was a war that was raging for me and you and for his own life. He is God. And there's no way you and I can ever comprehend what was happening in that moment. As he just like let it out. 
see, in that death struggle came our hope. (laughs) That is our hope. Church, it's our hope, man. And I look at that and I'm like, oh God, thank you. Because Lord, I can look at people, I can say things to them, but I know there's more than this moment. And every one of you have been in a funeral and you've been in that service and you see that person and you know inside of you there's something more. That's not the end. There's no way it's the end. We know it inside of us. And so as God has brought us to this moment, we look into the Scriptures and listen to this. In this, God says, in that moment, the fullness of your salvation will be realized. The fullness of your salvation will be realized. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this Scripture will be fulfilled. This is what God's Word says, church. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God... He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hallelujah, man. Thank you, God. (laughs) See, now I see a hope, man. I see a hope. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Come on, church. We've got to get ourselves Firm in what we believe and be strong in our faith and be unmovable no matter what's going on around us. God's word goes on and says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Oh, so I can't just retreat into my little corner. And I can't go over there into my holy group and say, let's go. Come on, Jesus, take us out of here. No, work enthusiastically for the Lord. Remember, we're supposed to be out here being a light in this broken world. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Life has challenges for Christians and non-Christians alike. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us through it all. He doesn't leave us. Promise to be with us. Jesus said to the very end. Man, he's good. Matthew 7, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Church, Jesus is telling us something. He's like, look, there's, there's a storm that brews that comes against everyone equally. Right? I mean, that's what he just said the house on the rock and the house on the sand face the same storms. Hello. I mean, come on. He didn't say, I'm going to put a bulwark around that house and not let the wind hit it. He said, when the winds come and the rains and the floodwaters and all the garbage that happens in life come, it's going to stand. Yeah, that's our, that's our hope right there. I'm, I'm unmovable because Christ Jesus is my Rock in my foundation, church. All right, I mean, i got to throw this in here because it's been our theme for a long time here. Obedience, right? I mean, listen, Jesus says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, you got to do it, church. 
It's obedience. It's about living what he says. That's where our salvation is at. Not one of us truly knows what we'll face in the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds for us. We have no idea. We can look at it and get depressed, discouraged, fearful. I want to be honest with you, church. Like during COVID, I was like amazed at how many people in faith reacted in fear. I was blown away. I'm not rebuking you. Well, maybe I am, but I'm not meaning to like challenge and come after you. I'm saying like, look, if our first reaction to the reality that we're going to die is fear, we need to revisit our faith because you're going to die. Okay. All right. No, I'm being serious though. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, like I'm not just stay with us. Let's just go on. I don't want to get off on that. Like the thing is, is that we, we can't like be fearful and, and be discouraged and live in that darkness because stuff's going wrong. Stuff's always gone wrong. Everybody's died before us. Okay, so like we need to start facing the reality of what God says to us here. We need to begin to praise God, know who He is, know that He has us, and live in the fullness of the joy that our salvation brings. we got to hurry up because we're running out of time. Philippians 4 says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice! Talking to the body of Christ. Always be full of joy. Not when everything's great. Be full of joy. Always be full of joy. First Thessalonians 5, always be joyful. There's a lot of verses that tell us to be joyful, right? They are not contingent on what we face in life or what God's been blessing you with. Can't stand that. We think everything that's good and glorious and materialistic and healthy is a blessing from God. And sometimes discipline is a, is a blessing from God. Anyway, before we get off on that, Luke 10, this is Jesus. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. See, like the 72, we can get off our focus off and we begin to look at experiences to be our joy. See, they came to Jesus and they were like, dude, this is awesome. We've got power. We can do something in the spirit world. It's amazing. And he's like, you can, but get your eyes focused where they need to be. Don't focus on the experiences. Don't focus on the event. Focus on who you serve and the fact that he has redeemed you. Isn't that awesome? See, that's where our joy comes from. So let's go back to that Philippians 4 passage real quick where it says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Because see, that letter from the Apostle Paul being anointed by the Holy Spirit to write that to the church, to me and you, was written while he was in a prison. (laughs) Yep, he was in prison because he loved Jesus and served him faithfully. And so he wrote this letter from a prison. Now check it out. Listen to what it says now as we revisit that passage because we have visited this passage over and over for a couple years now. 
Philippians 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, church, like when we read that and we're looking at that, I'm not getting that from CBS, CNBC, CNN, Fox, etc., 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 YouTube, self-proclaimed prophets, teachers. No, this is what he tells me. You've got to keep your eyes on who it's all about, and that's Jesus Christ. And when you pray about the issues you're facing in life, God brings you peace. That's what he tells us right there. He didn't say, well, I'll remove you out of that. No, he says, he brings us peace that guards our hearts and our mind. Come on, church, it's right here in the Word of God. And then he's like, I want to help you further. you got to start getting your brain in gear with who I am and stop allowing that fear and darkness message to permeate the joy in the Lord that you have. Begin to fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and loving and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. Man, if you get up tomorrow morning and you begin your day with that kind of thought, after you pray, give God all your junk. Ask God to guide you through your day and begin to do that. You're going to go out and you're going to actually enjoy a Monday. <laughs> and the people around you are going to enjoy being around you. That'd be nice. And then you'll be a witness for who Jesus Christ is because that's when he said, they'll know I am and your faith is real. When you can live in the midst of all that they're afraid of, and have no fear. You can stand in your faith and be strong, full of joy, and they're going to think you're nuts. But when you stay there and you don't change, they're going to want what you got because they don't got it. Amen? Pray first. That's the key. Are you born again, believer in Jesus Christ? He's amazing. If you're not, make today the day. Oh, He loves you. How are you experiencing the joy of the Lord in your current circumstances? Everybody in here is facing some kind of challenge. You are. It could be health. It could be physical. It could be job-related. It could be whatever. Like, if you're facing a challenge, I want to ask you, where's the joy of the Lord in that moment? Do you have peace in your heart and your mind? Come and talk to Him, man. This is the altar of the Lord. You need to just come and talk to Him. He loves you. Do you need a readjustment in your thinking? If you do, this is a great time to do that. Just like change the way we think. Readjust and begin to put it right where God has us and where He wants us. Amen? Altar's open. Let's do it, Father. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that you have given us, not just in this life. Oh, God, thank you. Because of the joy that we experience in a relationship with you, we can't even fathom what you have planned for us in heaven. You are so good, God. So good. Lord, be with us here today. And everything that is done, let Jesus be lifted up and glorified. 
in every way, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.